0: Right, should we go for it? Yeah, but if we've not got Helen, then we probably, I mean, I hope you've got a lot to say, Mary. So much, so much. Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries. And we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scattered. Um, We are starting a new book today, so we're going to start looking at to Timothy. And I just thought I'd give us a little overview of where this letter comes compared to Paul's first letter to Timothy, which we finished looking at last week. So the best commentators tell me that there's probably about a two year gap between Paul writing his first and his second letter. And he's been travelling in that time, but now sadly is in prison. And he's in a proper prison now, rather than being under house arrest with a lot of freedom, which was Paul's first time in prison. So this is the last thing Paul writes. He's on death row. He knows that the end is near. And so actually his mind is very focused on writing to his really close friend Timothy and trying to encourage him and pass on his last pieces of love and encouragement and advice and warning. So yeah, that's the context that Paul's writing in. And yeah, he's writing to encourage his friend, Timothy. So I just thought it might be helpful to start looking at that. Those first few verses that we rarely look at in a letter, they're sort of introductions. What do you think these tell us about Paul and Timothy?
1: So Paul describes himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. But then he also says he's an apostle by the will of God. That sort of gives him some authority, shows that he has a personal relationship with God. And then this really poignant little line here, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. I read through, when I was prepping for this, I read through the whole letter once in its entirety and then went back to this section that we were looking at. Yes, because I'm a geek.
0: Of course you did, Hermione.
1: Actually, on the second reading, that second part of that first verse is so moving, I think, in the context of where he is. Like you said, he's on death row. Later in the letter, he talks about it being nearly the end and... You know, he doesn't know how much he feels like his time is up almost. And this, this, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, like this is, I really and truly believe this. It's a beautiful little half line.
2: He addresses Timothy as his dear son, which I think is lovely. I was, I think, I actually did read a little further than the passage we're doing today, because I feel like I would have preferred to go on to verse 14. But I think it's a really gentle, lovely greeting from Paul, isn't it? Considering, I think, the feeling that we get from this passage, especially if we look further than today's section, is that...
0: Did you mention that Timothy... you're not happy where this section's finished, Mary? I feel like... I'm not sure if Henry's got that memo. So do you want to just say that again? <laughs> can we please go to... <laughs> can we please go to
2: fourteen. Thanks. No. <laughs> Sorry, Henry. Yeah, the... I feel like we're going to get this feeling that Timothy's obviously he's still faithful, he's doing fine, but he's struggling in various ways because we see words like timid and being ashamed. That's in verse eight. Sorry, not this passage. And I think, but isn't it lovely that the way that Paul greets him is like my dear son. And he says this lovely grace and grace, mercy and peace from God, the father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Like he really wishes timothy every good thing you know he could have started the letter with you know what's going on why are you why are you being so weak blah 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 considering i'm in jail and you're not <laughs> but actually he's lovely and encouraging
1: and i think there's this sense isn't there of heritage so paul in the next part verse three onwards talks about ancestors and timothy's history as well and so, again, I think this, this poignancy of the end is nigh continues for Paul. It's that idea of heritage that, that Timothy's got from his ga- grandparents, but also the theological heritage that he's received from Paul. And Paul's almost saying, Timothy, you're my child. When I'm gone, you're going to inherit this work. You're going to inherit this, this theological legacy from me. And it's going to be soon. Um
0: it's sad isn't it it really is sad I feel
2: sad about it yeah because somebody when I was listening to a sermon on this somebody mentioned that later in the letter Paul mentions that lots of people have deserted him and you know and I think his prison situation was pretty terrible apparently it would have been like being thrown into a cistern and the, the lid closed and you know your food is chucked down to you once a day and the only way out is just going to die so like, he's in a, such a miserable situation. And yet he... Yeah, he has these words of encouragement for Timothy, who's... You know, Timothy's in a difficult situation. Did you say this, Jill, at the beginning I left? But did you say the Roman persecution at the time was pretty intense? Um, I, so I can do that. No, this is just what someone said about this. I didn't read it. Um, but basically, the... <laughs>
0: Mary I doesn't like I reading. Just so everybody knows, Mary doesn't like reading. <laughs> I like, oh not unless
1: it can be fit can be uh, fit fit on the back of a postage stamp, right?
2: You and said it's in short Can you put it in there with you?
1: Thank you.
2: But anyway, this um person I was listening to was saying that the it was around the time of Nero, so you know, Christians being burnt as lampposts and lamp, you know. Lamps, Lamp posts. what are they yeah, called? In Nero's, in Nero's garden, yeah. Yeah, and just horrendous persecution. So even though, you know, the temptation is to be like, to feel like, come on, Timothy, you know, like as in that's how I would feel. But actually the, the context is re- really severe persecution generally. Like Paul is really at the pit of it, but it's not that far off from any of the Christians. Like it must have been a real time of fear and difficulty, I think.
0: So let's go back a little bit then to what Helen was talking about. You know, Paul's in this awful situation and he's very good at practicing gratitude, isn't he? He starts the letter then with the things that he's really grateful for in Timothy's life. Can we just look a little bit at what are those influences that Paul's thanking God for over Timothy's life? So he says in verse
2: 3 that he thanks God continually for remembering him in his prayers. And then verse four, no, verse five, he mentions, he's reminded of your sincere faith, which first, faith, (laughs) not faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois and in your mother, Eunice. So it seems like Paul knew Timothy's mom and his gran, and they had this really sincere faith, which he believes has been passed down to Timothy so yeah Paul's really thankful for that faith that's been evidenced I guess in their life and like Helen said like that kind of inheritance of faith that he's had from his family yeah I think he's wanting to encourage Timothy at this point
0: yeah and I listened to something that was really helpful on that that was saying you know it's going to be hard isn't it for Timothy to hold onto faith and not cave in under the pressure of persecution and actually by reminding him of his mum and his grandma who've stood before him and cheered him on and brought him up in the faith. That's a real encouragement, isn't it? To not drop the ball, like keep going, Timothy, the way that your family before you have, don't let the persecution around you pull you away from that truth that you've been brought up in. Yeah, I I think that's, it's more than just a fond, oh, I remember your mum and your grandma, isn't it? It's a way to encourage Timothy to maintain that heritage that he's been brought up in. This
1: reminded me a little bit of the end of One Timothy, where Paul urges Timothy to to guard the deposit. It reminded me of a little bit of that, like you've been given this precious gift that was in your grandmother and in your mother. It's now, I'm certain, in you. Fan it, keep it going, guard it, grow it if possible, even in the midst of all the chaos that's happening around you.
0: Yeah, so I guess there's the family link that Paul's thankful for and reminds Timothy of and then I guess as well which Mary's referenced it's the sort of relationship that they have as well it's the friendship isn't it that Paul and Timothy share which he is trying to encourage him in by that what do we think of the constantly I pray for you night and day how did that land for you ladies
2: yeah I don't know that I would be If I was sitting in a big hole waiting to die, I don't know that I would be... I guess maybe Paul... Yeah, it just shows us how lovely and uh, full of prayer. A man of prayer Paul was, right? Like, it's challenging, isn't it? He's sat in this dark place just waiting to die and yet he's mindful of others' needs and others' faith and work. He's just so... Yeah, I really actually... At times I've struggled with some of Paul's writings, like, you know, yeah. But I feel like this book is really warming me to him. Like his, in, in his terrible suffering, he's just so other fo- others-focused. It's challenging, isn't it?
1: Yeah, very. Go on, Helen. I found it quite the challenge because he's effectively saying, you know, I pray throughout the day and the night. And I always pray for you, and for me, in my life, you know, I have my quiet time in the morning. Boom, I'm done for the day. there isn't so infused into absolutely everything that I do now, given Paul is sitting in a dark and dingy hole with a trapdoor for a window, but still i yeah, at first, I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm sure he doesn't pray constantly night and day, but actually, maybe i I was challenged that maybe I was thinking that because I thought it was impossible. Because I think, well, there's so many other things to do. I'm not saying that, therefore, if I don't have anything to do, I would pray night and day. I think it was just more a challenge to my attitude to prayer. um,
0: Yeah, it's a good challenge. I just wondered, ladies, if we're thinking then about Timothy and these influences on his faith that have really shaped him and that example that he has in Paul of such a prayerful friend, Are there influences in your life that you look back on and are grateful for? Yeah, I think especially
2: so in my coming to faith, I found out after I came to faith, I came to faith in a Christian camp. And I found out afterwards when I became a leader on that camp, I found out from one of the other leaders who was a leader at the time when I was coming to faith, that my kind of key leader on the camp, so the leader that was kind of assigned to you know, have the spiritual chat with me or whatever. She used to pray for me, like every single prayer meeting, you know, there'd be this big, big, it was a really big Christian camp. There'd be this big prayer meeting, I think, for the leaders once a day. And sometimes people would pray by name for people and other stuff. But she like faithfully prayed for me every day of that camp. And I know she was Well, I'm pretty sure she was praying for me other times and after the camp as well, as I was a a new Christian. And I feel like, yeah, for for me, that's such like I look back to that and it really did. I think it really did have an impact on me coming to faith. But then also going forward, I'm like, am I faithful in prayer like that for people who I long to see come to faith? Because I was this kind of naughty, arrogant, 16, 17 year old and probably difficult to pray for at times and yet she was faithful in that (laughs) I stopped laughing
1: I I hit unmute to go and she was scary
2: (laughs) so I'm just so grateful for that and you know like when you think of your foundations and I just think she put a big block in mine I feel like there's others as well like some friend who discipled me at uni and dragged me along to church when I was definitely heading the other way and stuff like that but yeah isn't it wonderful to look back and be thankful for those people
1: yeah it is so I became a Christian probably at the end of high school and yeah I was thinking about the group of people that I was meeting with them they were influential and again at university but I think one of the people that to this day I still look up to, even though they're not around anymore, is Hilda Bibi. Mm-hmm. I just used to look at her and think, this is a woman who loves the Lord, who prays constantly night and day. <laughs> and yeah, even now, I still think of her on a regular basis. And I just mm-hmm. think, Lord, help me be like her, with her gentle and kind heart and her prayer life. I just, yeah, she she was someone who had a big influence on me. Yeah, we
0: were talking about this in, um, Paul and I have just started a new community group. i ahead of the game. I was like, oh, Jumpy, I think we should start in two Timothy in our new community group so that I could basically sit under Jumpy she- during the passage before we did Scattered. <laughs> okay. And I, that's exactly who I said, Helen, when um, we were going round and all sharing. I said Hilda. And part of that was because she, just so faithfully prayed for, I've got a child with some additional needs. And she was so kind to him and really loved him and would tell him, I pray for you every day. You're on my special prayer list. And I pray for you every day. And I just felt that loss as a mother when she died and went to glory. So I'm really grateful for her to be with Jesus, but it's hard, isn't it? That I guess she's, she's right by the throne of grace now. Yeah. That was a similar one. And I think yeah, my grandpa would my, would be my other one, who was a really godly man and was just a, such a constant presence in my childhood. And so for me and my brother, we look back and think that is who we aspire to in lots of ways, because he was, yeah, kind and gentle, but just so focused on Jesus and would constantly bring us to Jesus in our youthful zeal or tantrums. So yeah, that would be our sort of yeah, family, ancestor, that's such a helpful reminder. Okay, let's look at the other two verses then, six and seven. I'm sorry, we're stopping at seven, Mary. I found this language like a little bit hard to access. So would anybody like to give a stab at just summarising these verses in more modern language? I think it's tricky because
2: people kind of disagree on the meaning of this gift of God that Paul laid his hands on Timothy and he received I think some people think it's to do with his ordination some people seem to think it's to do with some kind of spiritual gift but my summary was therefore pay attention to the spirit at work in and through you his power is at work so do not fear so like his, the emphasis on it's his power at work. So do not fear.
1: Great. Helen Smellin. I did not do this question.
0: <gasps> I mean, that is an admission, isn't it? On scattered from Hermione. Everybody's face is so sorry. shocked. I let you down, Mary. guys. I let
1: you down, Juliet. Juliet, I'm
0: so sorry. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> I'm i feel
1: reading still
2: the whole
0: myself. Uh, yeah. Helen, you're so kind, just making Mary score the goal, helping her to feel like she did the work.
1: It needs to happen every now and again, doesn't it?
0: I am never the A-star
2: people on here, so I'm feeling good about myself right now. Thanks, Helen.
0: Well done, Mary. Um, Yeah, the thing that I was struck at when I was looking at this was that whole um, idea of God's given a gift to Timothy, hasn't he, which he wants him to use in ministry, So that's God's initiative. But at the same time, he's calling Timothy to be active with that gift. It's not like, okay, I've got the gift and I sit back and do nothing. And it's that whole idea that we see in so many different places in the scripture, isn't it? Of God initiates and yet he calls us to work that out. Sort of work out your salvation with fear and trembling would be another place where Paul talks in this way. And here God's given the gift Timothy, you stir it up and make sure that you fan it into flame, make sure that it stays active and useful. What, yeah, what, what do you think that means then for Timothy? How does he fan it into flame? How does he keep that gift hot and useful?
2: Helen, have you got a song in your head? Yes. Spirit of God. <laughs> no, not even, that, not even that one. Fan into flame. What's, what have you
1: got? It's a Seeds Family Worship one, but it's a, from a different verse. I can't remember the rest of the song, but it goes, It is a gift of God. La-da-da, la-da-da.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Jill, losing the plot here. Yes.
0: Yeah, so we go back to how should Timothy, or we for that matter, what does that mean? How do we fan into flame the gift of God in our
1: lives? How, how should Timothy do that? How should we do that? Well, I think partly the answer is in verse 7, you know, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear. So he's told him to fan this gift into flame because God gave him a spirit, not of fear, but of power, etc. And so part of it is let's pray and ask God to help us fanning this gift, help us in using it, figuring out where, how, what this gift is.
2: Yeah, I think despite not really being sure what this gift of God is, I think we can assume that it's something to do with the spirit at at work in and through us, either through gifts that he gives us or a kind of deposit of faith that he gives us. So I guess I'm challenged in this to think, what is it that God has put in me that is currently just an ember? Like that needs fanning if you see what I mean so you know is there a gift that I think he's given me that I'm not really using or you know blessing others with am I looking you know am I focused on my faith how am I growing my faith how am I you know and I guess practically that is you know how much time do I spend growing my faith and what does that look like do I read the word do I listen to sermons and sometimes read books am I talking about it with other people and I'm really struck by we have a pastor here where I live and Dave was saying the other day he came up to him in the office and lots of the time when someone comes up to the office they're just like hi how are you or like they'll talk about something that's going on or the weather or something but this guy he seems to be quite often mulling over something theological so he came up to Dave and was just like You know, isn't it wonderful that God sent his son to be like to become like us and to, you know, to be a human? Isn't that incredible? And I just thought, isn't that wonderful that that's what comes out of him when he's bumps into someone, you know, because he's mulling over spiritual things, he's in the word, he's finding it wonderful. And then he bumps into someone and he's like, isn't this wonderful? And I just think I'd love to be more like that. I'd love to be more in the word and enjoying things about God without that sounding boring and very too over spiritual. I don't think it's an over spiritual thing. I think it can be like really joy giving.
0: Yeah. And I guess I had a little example this week of, you know, I knew I had to go into quite an anxiety producing situation and I did go in full of anxiety and fear And then the next day I read the passage about the spirit isn't a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self-control. And I just just felt like, oh, I wish this scripture had been in my mind yesterday because it would have changed how I'd gone into that situation. Just bringing to mind that truth that God's spirit is in us and that spirit isn't a spirit of fear, but that gives us power, love and self-control. And just even having that scripture in my mind And remembering that that's the spirit within me would have changed the way I'd viewed that difficult situation. And so I just think, actually, Paul's reminding Timothy, isn't it? This is the spirit that's within you. And that will change the hard times. That will change how you view difficult situations because that's the spirit within you. And that can change how you respond.
1: Mm and that's particularly important isn't it for Timothy at the moment if we talked earlier about the context you know there's widespread persecution happening and so these verses 6 and 7 you know f- keep fanning into flame the gift of god don't don't be afraid even though there's persecution going on you've had this you've got this inheritance from your family from me from the body of believers keep fanning that that flame of faith And, you know, when there's persecution going on, of course there's fear. But why is there fear? Because there's powerlessness, there's hatred, and there's lack of control. And so this verse 7, in the context of the widespread awful persecution that's going on, Paul's saying to Timothy, you have God's spirit in you. And all those things that are going on because of the persecution and the difficulty in the church God has the answer for. The spirit has the remedy for because it is a spirit of power and love and self-control. The remedy against everything that you experience. When you're experiencing the inverse, God's spirit has the answer for all of that. Mm -hmm. God's spirit has the remedy for each of those things that you're experiencing in the face of persecution. What
2: I want to say is kind of linked, just linked to this word self-discipline, which I think is, an interesting one for him to have put in there I was listening to as I fell asleep this wonderful Tim Keller sermon by the way last night and this is linked because I think one of a really good way to be in the word is just listening to podcasts and I guess people listening to this already listen to podcasts but just having it on while you're doing the washing up and stuff like that or if you can't sleep like me Tim Keller is my friend when I can't sleep sorry him. but anyway i was listening to this bit that talked about how self control is about choosing it was it was so helpful self control is about choosing what is important over what feels urgent and i was like that is that is so helpful like thinking about self discipline and being self controlled and so i was like this this is a practical way i guess i'm making this in it's a practical way isn't it to Put stuff on in the background, you know, when it would just be an empty moment in your day, like just play a bit of the Bible or play some worship music or have a podcast on while you're doing the washing up. To me, those are really practical ways that I can keep prayer and the word kind of infiltrated through my day.
0: Yeah, that's great, Mary. And like this week, after looking at that, this passage, if we were that man in Dave's office, then we'd be saying something like, Isn't it amazing that the actual Spirit of God? lives in us and gives us his power his self-control and his love which helps us fight against fear and anxiety just mulling on that alone is such a helpful tonic isn't it that that's yeah the very spirit of god
1: is within us to help yeah. us
0: in all those circumstances i have a question
1: what do you guys make of that second part of verse six where paul says fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands.
0: I Um, think that is referring, because there was a similar similar part, wasn't there, in 1 Timothy. And I think we landed there, that it was about the ordination ceremony. So actually, there was a special ceremony when Timothy was set apart for ministry, where Paul and other elders laid hands on him to pray for him for the task
1: of ministry. Are we therefore saying that that is widely applicable? As in, like, because on a straight reading of this, you could say, you could argue that, in order to receive the gift of God, you need to have the laying on of hands.
0: Thank you for being devil. But you could point. make that assumption. I would. So my reading is, and feel free to correct me, is that in Paul's circumstance, that laying on of hands was specifically around being an elder in the church and leading that church and that was a ceremony that was to set him apart for that ministry but I think all believers have the spirit within them when they're converted in that it's the spirit that helps us to that opens our eyes and helps us to see and gives us the gift of faith and that's the spirit of love and power and self-control anybody want to argue with that
2: No but I think we should be aware that some people will be listening who would say that you know you do need a special laying on of hands for certain things like receiving certain gifts and I guess being made ready for certain ministries and things and actually there is a laying on of hands in some sense like when you know when some workers are sent across the world onto to you know to work in other countries and stuff but I think you're right Jill like I don't think the Holy Spirit needs this like special permission and prayer to enter into someone's life and start working. I don't know where that comes from in in the Bible, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's something that we need to think about more, this kind of side of things.
0: Am I in?
1: I'm staying quiet because I remember back in the day when we very first started this thing, this Shindig, like three and a bit years ago. But I'm trying to find it in Acts. We talked about the sort of commissioning of the first people who were sent out, and they very specifically laid hands on them then as well. Yeah. It says they were sent out by the laying on of hands. And I think, so I think if you want to hear more, you can listen to one of the first Acts episodes or Scattered, but it's a while ago. So I'm dragging this from the back of my mind. I think we said that it was a, an example of the time, not ne- it was descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive. That Paul tends, especially Paul, tends to be very clear when he's being. On the whole, is very clear when he's being prescriptive and saying this is something you must do, as opposed to something that this is what happened in that particular circumstance. Mm.
0: Well, I was just going to say, should we pray for? People in leadership in church, yes, we should we've seen a lot of that, haven't we, in one Timothy, or people like you guys that are working overseas? should there be a specific commissioning of people to set them apart if they're going to full time work for God's kingdom? yeah, of course there should, Of course we should be praying for them and laying hands on them, but is the spirit bound by those ceremonies? No, of course he's not, so i yeah, I think it's both <laughs>
2: I think we probably all all agree
0: on that but it's good to to appreciate that people out there might have a different view thank you mary very yeah yeah Yeah, that's true great anything personal that struck you from this passage that we've not talked about anything that we need to tidy up
2: i was quite moved just by how kind paul is in this like i said before and i i think so he's he's saying in verse five i'm reminded of your sincere faith you know he's praying for timothy he loves timothy so much And then he's like, for this reason, I remind you. So it's like a gentle kind of, I really love you, and I'm praying for you, and you are doing so well. You know, keep going, and let me just remind you of this. Like, so I just love that. There's this bit in Harry Potter when cultural reference when Harry and his friends are just in the film. It's in both. So Sirius is harry thinks sirius is in trouble so he goes to the ministry of magic and then they get attacked by all the baddies and at one point they're like all in really serious trouble it's just harry and a bunch of other students and then and then sirius and the others turn up and sirius says to harry in that moment you well done you've done so well even though actually harry is I think shouldn't have gone to the ministry of magic and has kind of brought this problem. And I just think, I love that sense here that Paul is like, you're doing so well, Timothy, like he might not, you know, he might've heard things about Timothy being afraid or Timothy maybe showing signs that he's ashamed of Paul for some reason, because Paul's in prison or, you know, and lots of people are deserted, Paul. And yet Paul's just so encouraging. And I'd love to see that kind of looking for the good in people In my own life, like I think I tend to first of all look for the thing that I think they're doing wrong, whereas I I would really like to more encourage the good in people and look for the good and pray for the good, rather than I I tend to be quite a black and white person and I I tend to look at things like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's good, Mary. I I was sort of doubly challenged by the Paul's good, isn't it, deliberately he's in a hard situation he's looking for things to be thankful for and he's reflecting back over Timothy's life and calling to mind things that he's grateful for that have shaped Timothy I'm not very good at doing that and I think that's that's a really helpful heart exercise isn't it when life's hard but also then that whole desire it evokes in you doesn't it a desire to be that type of person that is a blessing Mm -hmm. to others and will be part of somebody else's story and is the encourager and the prayer so yeah I think it's there's been a double encouragement to me to be more thankful in my own life but also to be seeking to be a blessing to others
1: Mm. for me I found that verses six and seven were actually quite a rebuke for my anxiety so this bit in verse seven about God gave us a spirit not of fear which is ultimately what anxiety is but of power and love and self-control and actually, the energy that I use on anxiety, should, I should be spending that on fanning the flame of whatever gifts God has given me. And I should be fanning that and using that power and love and self-control that came when God's spirit entered me. Yeah, I found it, I found it really challenging in regards to my anxiety.
2: And yet, yeah, isn't it wonderful that we have like a, a savior who is just like Paul and he comes alongside us and he says, Come on, you're doing really well. Like, even in those moments when your fear has like completely let you down and you've messed up something or you've got angry or whatever, and yet he draws near to us and he's like, Keep going, you're doing really well. I love that. I think Paul really echoes jesus and and how jesus is to him in these moments when he draws near to timothy it's like a reminder that jesus draws near to us in that same way when we feel like we've failed he's so kind
0: yeah thanks mary that's a great place to end thanks for joining us and we will see you next week for the next part of to timothy which in case you didn't get the memo mary thinks we should have done this week but um, we will be doing that next week thanks very much everyone bye bye